the UK overnights with Martin Kellner. There is a place I have given the world to see. Music softly playing, the rhythm gently swaying. Underneath the stars, million bars, guitars are softly saying. Mexico. To be in so much to see in Mexico. Take it from me, yeah, you're gonna see the greatest show. There you oh. go, there oh. you go. What about that? Fantastic. Uh, that was Adrian Donkey Quintanilla. Um, and that was, well, we'll find out more about it because um, our man in Mexico, in Campeche, in Mexico, is John Bonfilio, who recorded that specially for us. Brilliant. Um, John, thank you ever so much. Well, A, for joining us and B, for recording that. Tell me a little bit more about Adrian Donkey Quintanilla. Yeah, I actually didn't record it. He sent it to me. I've been reaching out ah. to musicians around Mexico to send me different versions, oh, live you. recordings of sections of Mexico and uh, <laughs> to see what comes back. And, and, and Adrian yeah, is a musician from Monterrey in the north of Mexico who did this uh, this great little uh, re- recording which he sent through and I hope to have a few more for you over the next uh, few weeks and months. Uh, Adrian predominantly plays ukulele and guitar. He's a really talented musician who I've, I've known for a while. Yeah, he's the first uh, little excerpt which I think, you know, just gives us a bit of a sense because also Mexico as a song isn't really known in Mexico. I mean, we know it in, in the UK and maybe a little bit in North America. So it's actually been quite nice to be able to share yeah. uh, Long John Baldry with with local musicians and, and get their own rendition. So I hope to build up to an orchestra, Martin. That's my aspiration. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. It really is great. So um, belting doing that. And look forward to hearing some, you know, some more typically uh, uh, ethnic versions of uh, Mexico. Because what he was yeah. saying about Long, Long John Baldry, he's, uh, that's, not, <laughs> that's not the sound of Latin America. You know, it's the sound of, no. uh, I think, Hayes in yeah. Middlesex. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a great song. Um, now, there's a movie coming out in uh, the U, or it's come out in the UK, and it's very popular at the moment called Cocaine Bear. Um, you're going to tell us about a narco cat, which I don't know whether that's <laughs> similar to Cocaine Bear. Tell me about the narco cat. Well, there's, a, there's, there's an Andean bear this week and also a narco cat. This seems to be a strange week for, for animal behavior. The narco cat mm. is fascinating because this is a hairless cat with, uh, which has become famous because it was discovered walking around a prison in uh, Ciudad Juarez, a troubled city in the north of Mexico on the border with the U.S. with a cartel tattoo on its, uh, on its rear, uh, which oh. you can see clearly because it's a hairless cat. And this was as a result of the deadly riot and breakout uh, that took place there with the Los Mexicles gang. And it seems that this gang leader had this cat in the in the prison coexisting with him. And it's, it's this strange tattoo of sort of a, it says Echo and Mexico are made in Mexico, but it's a, it's a, it's a uh, I guess like a stamp that's been appropriated by this, by this cartel, which has been tattooed onto this cat. So this cat seems to have survived the deadly riot and the breakout and then has caused uh, local animal welfare officers some difficulty because, mm. by all accounts, you can't just adopt a hairless cat out to anybody. It needs to be somebody who's got experience with hairless cats, uh, would you believe? So this uh, this sort of sphinx cat has now been arrested by an individual in Texas. And, and the other story is that this Andean bear 
called Ben, uh, the Andean bear, obviously from the Andes, mid-sized bear. Uh, often they're referred to as spectacled bears because they've got sort of lines around their chest and their face, and often it looks as though they're wearing big, uh, big goggles. I mean, I'm guessing Paddington initially was an, uh, a, yeah. an Andean bear because there are no other bears in Latin America. They are the, the single yeah. bear here. And this, this guy, Ben, apparently isn't that keen on being stuck in St. Louis, St. St. Louis, zoo in the u.s and keeps breaking out keeps apparently in inverse uh, uh, an official quoted said meddling with steel mesh and escaping so last week's uh, zoo staff installed new steel cargo clips which can withstand 450 pounds worth of uh, tensile strength and then installed those came back the next day and there was ben wandering around the zoo again so yeah, this, this zoo has a distinct problem with an annual bear. maybe that's the moral of the story is you know, don't try and cage an Andean bear. No, well, clearly they don't like it. But uh, I'm going back to this narco cat um, and, you know, the hairless cat. I presume they're, uh, they're a species that are sort of indigenous in, in Mexico. I presume they're not rare hairless cats or are they? So the hairless dog is native to Mexico and uh, Peru here, it's known as the Cholos Guintle and is widely regarded as being uh, a dog that uh, allows you to pass to the afterlife. It's sort of linked with uh, with different levels of existence. If, if you're like hairless cats aren't, uh, as far as I'm aware, indigenous to or endemic in, in Mexico. This is very definitely an exotic creature, which also continues the uh, cartel's obsession with exotic creatures which as, as we also know uh, takes us right to colombia with uh, with hippos or we've even covered on your show escaping yeah escaping tigers there's something about a high pressure a high pressured cartel environment work environment which draws individuals to importing exotic creatures uh, into their into their uh, into their ranches and uh, an existence who knows why uh, maybe we should get a psychologist on next week to tell us what that link is i think if you watch enough episodes of uh, that uh, tiger guy in america you get the sort of answer to that question um what was it called exotic ted exotic or what what was it called jed the uh the, the tiger thing that was on netflix everybody was watching it tiger king the tiger king yes mm. but he's called something well, was- like Ted Exotic, yeah. isn't he? Um, is it Joe oh, Exotic? Joe, Joe Exotic. Exotic, that was yeah. him, yeah. But he was yeah. a perfectly was normal it. guy. Oh, well, it depends what you mean by perfectly <laughs> normal. I mean, <laughs> very much a matter of opinion. Um, you're being satirical, aren't you? Uh, tell me, but you know, the people they dealt with, and most of those people that, you know, that like the exotic animals, the big, you know, there, there was something, you know, something going on up there. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's a big power thing, isn't it? I suppose. Uh, tell me about taekwondo. Uh, this is interesting. Now, this was a, a sort of Mexican uh, obsession, but um, tell me all about it because um, you know there's taekwondo going on in Mexico. Huge, huge, huge. 1965, nobody knew about taekwondo in Mexico, and then there was this guy, uh, Daiwan Moon, who uh, was at uh, University of Texas from Korea in the mid-60s, and he decided he was invited over to visit Mexico by a friend. And so he turned up and loved it. He said it was much more like Korea than Texas was. 
and uh, and he over a period of time stayed and became the father of taekwondo in mexico completely evangelized the country to the extent that now estimates suggest that that two percent of the population actively participate in taekwondo and regularly depending on how you measure it, it features in the top 10 uh, top five top 10 most engaged with sports uh, most practiced sports in mexico and since the uh, sydney olympics in 2000 right through to the rio Olympics of 2016, uh, Mexico, that is not famed for its uh, sporting prowess in the Olympics, regularly was on the podium, uh, well, throughout those Olympics, was on mm. the podium and, and, and won medals. Uh, so, yeah, one of those strange sports, when you look down the, the list of most popular sports in Mexico, you certainly don't expect to see Taekwondo featuring in the top ten. No, you definitely don't. Uh, baseball, football... You know, yeah. Those are the two that, uh, that really uh, dominate, boxing. I suppose. Box, and boxing, obviously, yeah. Um, but Taekwondo, that's interesting. Um, tell me also about, um, this is a, a story of survival. This is somebody surviving, rather like yourself, uh, John, when you survived your ordeal in the jungle. Um, you've got somebody who's got a, a similar story. I like to think that every day we we get through Martin is a story of survival, but this is a little bit this is a little bit different. Yeah, this is uh, Jonathan Acosta, Bolivian, 30-year-old. He was lost while hunting in northern Bolivia just over a month ago. 31 days he was in the Amazon because Bolivia, like we don't necessarily normally associate Bolivia with the Amazon, but Boliv- but the Amazon isn't just in Brazil. It then touches on uh, Colombia, Bolivia, Peru, a number of different. Uh, countries because of its its size and it's in the center of South America of course and and this guy Jonathan Acosta survived eating worms insects and wild fruits and and now recounts that he he had a series of encounters with uh, with peccaries and monkeys peccaries a wild pig that exists in uh, in in the jungle that is uh, definitely as with all pigs uh, you know uh, engaged with uh, with coming to say hi and especially if you've got any kind of food. Uh, taking it off you interestingly Mm. he is very grateful to god for having been rescued and he says it's a message it's a sign that he should not hunt anymore so he has uh renounced hunting completely and it's a story that went from nightmare to miracle in in 31 days and uh, it's uh, these stories of survival for sure everybody loves a a story of of Mm. survival except for some of us who've been through those stories of survival and it just makes our palms sweat in uh, in uh, recollecting the actual ordeal yeah, I mean, it's a great, I mean, your story is a great story, but this is a great story of survival as well. And I'll just say, take that, Ray Mears. Um, <laughs> just while, while I'm on, um, your, uh, your president appeared in the uh, Kathleen Moran column in The Times yesterday morning. Um, and I'll read you what she's written about it. She says, uh, the president of Mexico has posted a picture of what he claimed was an elf sitting in a tree. Mm-hmm. Um, I sh- yeah, that's right. I share a photo taken three days ago, apparently of an alush. Uh, I would have said alux, but <laughs> alush is the pronunciation. Uh, 69-year-old Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador uh, wrote on Twitter, um, as every media outlet in the world was swift to explain, an alush is a Mayan spirit from the same family tree, um, i.e. entirely fictional, as European elves. So uh, mm-hmm. she's taken this as a sign that uh, your president's uh, a little bit bonkers. So this is interesting. So, yeah, he posted this image, and actually this image has been traced to... Uh, it's got a history. It's not the first time that it's appeared. He either naively or cynically decided to post it 
uh, obviously depending on your uh, perspective. I don't think that he necessarily is as crazy as people are making out. Um, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, the, the president of Mexico, has something of a problem in southern Mexico with his big infrastructure project, which is the Mayan train, which has a lot of local opposition. And he says is a train that belongs to the Mayan people, to the indigenous people. And a lot of the indigenous people here say it's nothing to do with us, governor. This is a, a, a project which has been foisted on our lands without any permission. So he keeps using iconography from indigenous communities and the Mayans to try and sort of suggest that actually there is a broader, I guess, sort of truth or sense or uh, moral imperative to what it is that he's doing and for that to be a sort of a, a way of communicating with the populace. So my, my interpretation of it would be that, I mean, he, he's not uh, fully nuts. Uh, the, the, he's not got the brain that he had 20 years ago, but I think that would, that would, that would be a sort of naive interpretation. I think it's, it's actually a more concerted drive to, con- to continually engage with uh, sections of a population whose popularity he's lost. Right, that sounds much, much more sensible. So an Alush, not necessarily the same as an elf or any of those other creatures that appear in uh, in Blight and all that sort of stuff. Um, there's a very funny bit in the uh, in the office where they have this argument about what's an elf? What is that the same as a goblin? Well, if a goblin's different from an elf, what about? And they just go through all these uh, these different creatures. Uh, pixie is a pixie the same as a goblin, or is a goblin more like an elf, etc.? And it's one of those arguments about mythical creatures that um, will always exist, will it really? So, if he wants to say it's an aloush for good reasons, fair enough. And I think your show is perfectly placed to discuss the, uh, the vagaries <laughs> and, the, and the minor differences between <laughs> mythical creatures. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, text us, text us. When you te- while you're texting us or tweeting us about fish and chips, at the same time, tell us what the difference is between a goblin, a pixie, and an elf, and if you want to get into Mayan culture, uh, and a louche as well. Um, John, as always, thank you ever so much. Do appreciate it. No problem, it. take and, care. Uh, and thank you especially for the tune as well. Uh, bless you. John Bonfilio joining us from Campeche in uh, Mexico.